Well, for the last time at Camp Regeneration 2013, can you please open your Bibles with me? Open them to 2 Corinthians chapter 6. And as you're opening, I want to make it clear what my goal is this morning. I'm not going to preach a full message and explain every single verse in this passage. A lot of it can be understood by just reading it. I will explain the things that I think that you need to understand for my point to be taken. I want to just talk to you for a little bit about going home and pursuing holiness after, after high school camp. Um, I grew up in a professing Christian home. Family was unsaved, but everyone would say they were saved. I said I was saved. I went to church every Sunday. I went to youth group. I went to a Christian school, and I went to camps. And always at camp, there was this idea or this reality called the camp high. You know about the camp high because I was talking to a number of people yesterday and you were saying things like, I've got so much out of this camp and I've, I've really been helped by this camp. And almost everyone I talked to would say something like, I just want it to last, but I hope it doesn't end. And I believe that 2 Corinthians 6 through 7, 1 tells us exactly what we need to understand to make that desire for holiness and growth last every single day for the rest of your life. The Bible is crystal clear. See, when I went to camps and then even in my Christian school, we had a thing called Spiritual Emphasis Week. And that week was to be more spiritual, I guess, than the rest of the weeks. And we would emphasize spirituality. And so we did that. We'd bring speakers in and they would talk and they'd wear us down and we'd get tired and then we'd be emotional. And that can happen at camp. It can. And it's dangerous when that emotion and the lack of sleep and all of those things are accompanied with false doctrine, no doctrine, no teaching. That's dangerous. But when you come to this camp, we as leaders are doing whatever we can to bring you the word of God. The Holy Spirit changes hearts according to the word of God, by the word of God. Sanctify them, make them holy in your truth. Your word is truth. And so some of you have made decisions to follow Christ this week. And I'm not going to just say, I'm not someone that's going to say, oh, that was just a camp thing. No, because we've been preaching the true gospel and your parents or siblings or friends or leaders have been telling you the true gospel. And when you understand the true gospel and understand that you're worthless and nothing and that he is holy and you need to be like him, but you can't and therefore you need a substitute who will take the punishment you deserve and you can have that substitute, his own son, Jesus Christ, by believing him, by believing that he came, died for you and then rose again, which Allowed, which showed that the Father was pleased with that sacrifice. When you, when you believe that message and therefore repent of your sin, renounce your sin, say, just like we sung, nothing in my hands I bring, it's only to your cross I cling. When you believe that, that is the point of salvation. And God is the one that does that work in your heart. God regenerates your heart. God is the one that takes out the heart of stone and gives you a heart of flesh. When you believe that, that is genuine faith. And that happens here. And then you say things like, I just want that sentiment to continue. And I want it for you as well. And this, I think, leading up to this camp, this is the passage I've been meditating on for six months. With this morning in mind. 
I think there's plenty in this passage to help us walk away from camp and still to pursue holiness. Not just to camp high when you have the Holy Spirit in you. Because now you've been changed. And now the Holy Spirit allows you to want to honor the Father just like Jesus Christ did. After all, it's the Holy Spirit of Christ in you. So, look at 2 Corinthians 7, verse 1. Look at chapter 7, verse 1. Therefore, having these promises, beloved, let us cleanse ourselves from all defilement of flesh and spirit, perfecting holiness in the fear of God. That's what we want to do. We want to cleanse ourselves from all defilement of flesh and spirit, and we want to perfect, which means to complete, to complete holiness in the fear of God, like Austin taught us about yesterday. Now, I mentioned spiritual emphasis week at my, at my high school when I was in school, and I mentioned them kind of getting us in an emotional uh, frenzy and, and, and trying to make us commit to Christ. And it was always on Friday at the end of the week. And what they would do is we'd go in the gym during chapel and, and they'd put the lights down low during the message. It, it's okay because none of us had our Bible because we never learned from the Bible anyway. But, but we would sit there in the gym and they would just try to conjure up some emotion in us to where we would go forward and, and say that we were following Christ. So I remember this one Friday when I was a freshman and we would, uh, they gave us these candles and we would light the candle and they said, if you want to, Follow Christ, light your candle, walk up to the front of the stage at the end when the music's playing, and then light this one giant candle. I don't know why. But that's what we did. And I remember seeing Jeremy Miller and Tim Schooland was his name. And they were the seniors. They were the basketball players. They were the big men on campus. And they were the first to go up, which was awesome. And I believe their faith was genuine. They're still walking with the Lord. And you know what that made me want to do? Go up too. But not because I loved Christ and wanted to profess my allegiance to him, but because they're doing it. So I want to do it. Give me one of those candles. Give me some of that. And I went up and lit the candle. Didn't matter. God never asked me to light a candle to come to him. He never asked me to pray a prayer to come to him. He never asked me to walk an aisle to come to him. <clears throat> and you know what I was trying to do all throughout high school and even the first couple years of, in college? I was trying to recommend myself to God. See, there were a lot of people in my school who got drunk and partied on the weekends. You know how many times I was ever drunk and even have since been drunk? Zero. And I don't say that in a prideful way, I say that because that is why I thought I was going to heaven. Because I wasn't like them. I've never been drunk. I remember saying that to people more than one time in high school and out of high school. I thought that I could recommend myself to God. And we already learned from Psalm 15 that no one is perfect. No one can ascend that holy hill on their own. And so no wonder that was just a camp high because it was all in my own strength. I was trying to show the Lord, I'm worthy of heaven. And then after spiritual emphasis week, it didn't last. Why not? Because spiritual emphasis week didn't work? Because camp didn't work? No, because I was trying to work too hard. I was trying to work in a way that God never commanded me to work. You know what people would do when they worshiped God in the temple? You know, what, you know how people would bow down in the Old Testament? They would bow down like this. Is that a posture of greatness? Is that a posture where you want to show off? I looked foolish doing that a few minutes ago. 
Some of you are thinking, am I supposed to laugh? I, I, I kind of want to laugh, but I, I don't know. I looked foolish doing that. But that's the posture that the heart needs before the Lord. I don't even want to look at you. Depart from me. I'm sinful. Woe is me. It's Peter when he was in the boat with Christ and he realized how, how Christ was God when God, when Christ being God told him, throw your net down and we've been fishing all night and there's no fish. And he said, throw your net down here and they couldn't, they couldn't, they didn't have enough nets. Their nets were breaking because of all the fish. And Peter, with all the chaos around him and all the fishes flopping everywhere, who was a fisherman would have been like jackpot, didn't do that. He went down and said, depart from me. That's what I needed to do in high school. Not try to recommend myself into heaven. And that's why camp was just a high for me because it was all about me trying to pursue holiness apart from being regenerated. So I'm praying that you've been regenerated, that you've been regenerated before, that you've repented and put faith in Christ before this camp or even at this camp. And for you, I'm telling you, this is not just then a camp high. If you have the Holy Spirit in you, this continues. And what continues? This attitude. You want to cleanse yourselves from all defilement of flesh and spirit, perfecting holiness in the fear of God. That's what we want every day from here on out to be. Being completed in holiness. Now, How does this passage say that you do that? What are some ways this passage encourages you? Three ways, and we're going to go backwards. So we start there in 7.1, and we're going to go backwards. I'm going to give you three brief ways to continue the pursuit of holiness after camp, if indeed you have the Holy Spirit in you. First, listen to your leaders. Look at verse 11 of chapter 6. Paul saying this, Paul was constantly being accused by people trying to get the Corinthian believers to think that he was a false teacher, to think that he didn't care for them, to think that he was misleading them. And he writes this letter to the Corinthians to say, it's, that's not true. I've given my life to you. I've given you my own soul. And he says this in 6.11, our mouth has spoken freely to you, O Corinthians. Our heart is open wide. You are not restrained by us, but you are restrained in your own affections. Now, in like exchange, so I've opened my heart to you, my mouth to you. I've given you all that I can give you. In like exchange, I speak to you as children. Open wide to us. You have leaders here who left families to come with you to introduce you to Jesus Christ. You have youth pastors that study the word of the holy God to get it right every week, sometimes multiple times a week, to bring you to Jesus Christ. You've got parents who spent hard-earned money to send you here. You've got a band that's been leading you in worship from the truth of who God is. You've got all kinds of people around. You've got John MacArthur, world-renowned teacher, and he wouldn't like me to say it this way, but he is the greatest Bible teacher on the earth. I'm convinced of it. And I've heard a lot of Bible teachers. He comes because he wants to be a blessing. You. He doesn't come because he has to. He doesn't come because I say pretty, 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 please. He doesn't come for that reason. He comes because he wants to. He loves this generation of students. He loves the high school students at Grace Church, and he loves being a help to any other church that would want to come here. He loves doing this. Austin, loves doing this. They've opened wide. They've given you all that they can give you. If, if, they, if I have one hour with you, if they have one hour with you, and I have you captive, there's a lot of things I enjoy in this life, but this is the thing I'm going to talk to you about, your soul. 
And that's what they're going to talk to you about. And that's what your leaders are going to talk to you about. And that's what your friends who are saved are going to talk to you about. Your soul. And you have to, in verse 13, just like the Corinthians were exhorted to, open wide, listen, accept, be teachable, open your heart, listen to them. I'm begging you after this camp to listen to your leaders. Some of you have never taken notes during a sermon until this week. Keep taking notes. Keep writing things down. Keep circling things. Keep reviewing your notes. Keep getting the word of God inside you as it's taught to you by capable pastors and teachers and leaders. That's what you have to do if you want to grow. You have to listen to people who've been placed here for your spiritual benefit. And I think it would be appropriate on a day like today when you think of all that they've done and all that they've gone through to recognize them. Now listen, a lot of these people are going to go home. Sometimes, some, some of your trips are a lot longer than others. They're going to go home and they probably aren't going to sleep in tomorrow. You know why? Because they've got kids and they've got jobs to get to. A lot of you might just go home and sleep in tomorrow. They don't get to do that. And they're going to go to work next week and you might still be sleeping by Monday afternoon. You haven't woken up yet. Friday to Monday. They don't get to do that. I'm asking you to open your hearts wide to them. Not just today, but even for the next year. Throughout the time you live on this earth in whatever setting you're in with spiritual leaders. I think it'd be appropriate for every single youth pastor to stand up and for us to thank them for what they do every single day when you don't even know it. Can you guys stand up? So youth pastors, please stand up. That's right. Yep. And there's a lot of people that come with them that, as I would say, and I think the youth pastors understand what I'm saying here, that don't get paid to do this. The youth pastors, most of them get paid to do this. There are other people here that don't get paid to do this, and they're volunteers, and they're in your lives or even will, are willing to be in your lives all year round. They're the other adult volunteers. So if you're an adult volunteer who's come to help out in some way at camp, can you stand up, please? All adult volunteers. People in Us Weekly aren't heroes. Those are heroes. Those are your heroes. Those are people that do not live for themselves. People in Rolling Stone, Us Weekly, People, whatever it is, typically are people living for themselves. These people are living for you. Just like Paul was living in the Corinthians. So if you want to grow in holiness as we rewind from 7-1, listen to your leaders, open your heart to them. Some of you, and I just, I, this, I need to pause here for a second and say, um, I, I'm mainly talking to the believers right now and talking about how you grow in holiness after this camp, but some of you uh, still live without giving your full allegiance to Jesus Christ. You don't want to because there are things that he commands that you don't want to give up. Um, and I just need to pause and tell you this. You know, we, we've been trying to, in many ways, appeal to you, reason with you, beg you, even argue in a positive sense about the love of God for you. But I think it's important on a day like this to, to help you understand the Bible tells people who know the truth and continue to <clears throat> reject it and not submit to it. The Bible tells us to warn you out of love. 
Because this whole world was created to bring God glory, and we have rebelled against him. Every single one, all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. We cannot be perfect in his sight. We've rebelled against him. And you've been told that there's one sacrifice, there's one offering that can bring you to the Father, reconcile you to the Father, and many of you are still rejecting him. And I'm appealing to you one more time this week. And I can't think of why today wouldn't be the day you repented and put your faith in Christ. What else are you waiting for? Listen to the way God talks to his people who had alienated themselves to him, who were apart from him, who were not worshiping him. He says this in Jeremiah 3. He tells Jeremiah the prophet, go and proclaim these words toward the north and say, listen to the language God uses. Return, faithless Israel, declares the Lord. I will not look upon you in anger, for I am gracious, declares the Lord. I will not be angry forever. Only acknowledge your iniquity, that you have transgressed against the Lord your God and have scattered your ways to the strangers under every green tree. So they've, they've in essence, been spiritual adulterers under every green tree, which is where they worshipped idols. You've given idols all your allegiance. You've committed adultery with them. And you've not obeyed my voice, declares the Lord. Return, faithless sons, declares the Lord. For I am a master to you, and I will take you from one city and two from a family. So he's talking about the salvation that he will offer. And I will bring you to Zion. Then I will give you shepherds after my own heart who will feed you on knowledge and understanding. God is telling you, if you are apart from him, return to him. Acknowledge your iniquity. Listen, he knows your sin even better than you do. He knows what you're hiding. You're not fooling anyone. You might be fooling people in here, people at home. You're not fooling him. He sees everything. He knows it. And you know what he tells you to do? He doesn't say, just fix it, okay? Fix it and, and start to work on yourself, and then I'll, then, I'll, then I'll save you if you're doing well in a few weeks. He doesn't do that. He says, tell me. Tell me about it. Confess it to me. Acknowledge it. Just say it with your lips that you've been living apart from me, and ask me for forgiveness. Ask me for mercy. I give mercy. He says what he's like. I am gracious. I will not be angry forever. You have to do that. And if you don't, the Bible is very clear that you suffer an eternal hell. You die and then you're judged. And you're judged on whether you obeyed the law of God or whether you didn't. And when you're in Christ, you are seen as obeying the law of God perfectly. Because you have him. If you go on rejecting God, the scriptures are clear in the book of Hebrews, a number of places, that he will harden you, that you will grow more and more hard towards him, and that he is a consuming fire in the end. And I would tell you, today is the day of salvation. There's no reason not to come to Jesus Christ. For those of you who are saved, you want to grow, and you want to be holy, and you can by listening to your leaders. They've been given to you by God. The other thing that we could do, the second thing that this passage calls us to do in order to pursue holiness on a daily, daily basis is to come out from the world. Come out from the world. 14 through 16, verses 14 through 16. Do not be bound together with unbelievers. For what partnership have righteousness and lawlessness? Or what fellowship has light with darkness? 
Or what harmony has Christ with Belial? Or what has an unbeliever in common, or a believer in common with an unbeliever? Or what agreement has the temple of God with idols? For we are the temple of the living God, just as God has said. Come out from the world. Believer, if you want to grow in holiness, there may be areas in your life that you have not fully come out of, or you're still dabbling in. You're putting yourself in areas of temptation that you should not be in. Come out from the world. And that's another thing I've talked to a number of you about. And you've said things like, how do I kind of leave a group of friends when they're like the only group of friends there are? And I don't even have any godly friends. How do I do that type of thing? I've talked to a number of you this week about that. And your heart's in the right place. You want to come out from the world. And some of you need to come out, like I mentioned on Wednesday, from some entertainment choices or environments you're in. Whatever it may be, there are areas in your life that you should come out of. Now, you can't see that as a negative thing. This is a positive thing. Don't think of it as what you're losing. Think of it as what you're gaining. Communion with God. Relationship with him. Any baseball fans in here? Anybody, any Dodger fans in here? Yeah? Okay, any, any Giant fans in here? Okay. You know what there probably isn't in here? Actually, there might be. A, a true baseball fan, some of you don't care about baseball, so this doesn't apply to you. Still pay attention, because I'm going somewhere. You hardly ever hear a baseball fan go, yeah, I, I, like, I like the Dodgers. I do. I like the Dodgers. They're my team. Um, and I like the Giants. No. You don't cheer for that. You don't do that as a sports fan. You're, you're not worth anything to either team, okay? A Dodger, the Dodger organization doesn't say, we want fans that like the Giants. And the Giants don't go, we want fans that like the Dodgers too. They're like, no, no, we want, we're bitter enemies. You don't stand in the middle. You know what that's called? Disgusting. <laughs> no, 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 you're not a fan of either at all. When you're for one thing, you're against the opposite of that thing. When you're for one team, you're against the enemy, the arch rival of that team. When you're for God, you're against the world system where Satan is in charge of in a temporal sense. He's the little G God of this world and God allows him certain, or certain, certain um, actions. He allows him some certain quote unquote freedom. He's really not free because God is in charge of it all. But you are playing and dabbling in Satan's world system. That does, that's not what a believer does. And Paul's saying, what fellowship has light with darkness? That, that doesn't even mix. You can't do that. Jesus talked to the church at Laodicea who was lukewarm. They were kind of in the world and kind of out of the world. And you know what he said, right? He said that I spit you out of my mouth. Just pick one. I spit you out of my mouth. That's disgusting. You're trying to be, trying to have it both ways, and you can't have it both ways. You're either all in for Jesus Christ or you're not. Some of you say that you are, but you're not all in for Jesus Christ. You still hold on to sin, or you think that you're all in for Jesus Christ because you're so wonderful. Have you bowed the knee? Have you submitted? Have you acknowledged how sinful you are? And that's why you love him and will go anywhere he says. Do anything he wants you to do. Be friends with who he wants you to be. Be in the church he wants you to be. Put away the sins that he wants you to put away. Are you there? 
because you can't be in both places. You can't. If you're in both places, you're not with Christ. You have to come out from the world. Come out. There's some of you girls who've been convicted by some of these messages this week, and, and you're, you should be breaking up with people when you go home, honestly. You're convicted of these messages. You understand the holiness of God. You understand the preciousness of Christ, and you might be in a relationship or you might just kind of like someone and you're talking to them, flirting with them, and they like you for all the wrong reasons. And you're trying to think, what would it be like if I kind of threw that away? That would be horrible at school. He would hate me. He wouldn't love me. He wouldn't, you know what? He doesn't love you. If this man is trying to pull you over to do things that you shouldn't be doing and you're thinking, I should be away from him but, and I should be with Christ, but, but it'd be too hard, I don't know what to do. I'm telling you, if he wants you to do things apart from what God wants in terms of purity, he doesn't love you, he hates you. I don't care what he says to you. I don't care what songs he downloads and sends to you. I don't care how, how he writes poetry to you. I don't care about any of that. He hates you. He loves himself. He hates you. Christ loves you, left heaven to come to earth for you. Why do you hold on to that knucklehead? There are worse words, but that's the best I can use because we're recording this. Why do you hold on to him? Why do you hold on to, to friends who are just gonna gossip about people, who are gonna be so consumed with how they look, that's all they're consumed with. Every time they walk by a mirror, it's ooh. That's all they're consumed with, how they look, what people think of them. They don't give a thought about Christ. Is that helping you? No. You need to be in the church. You need to be with people who call upon the name of the Lord. And I'm not telling you to be unkind to those people. I hope that you can be in a place where you win those people. But to the extent that they draw you away, you have to separate. You can be around them. I'm not telling you don't go and talk to sinners. Don't, don't live that way. You go and talk to a lot of sinners. You go and bring the gospel to people. You know why? Because that's why you're here. Go and talk to people. But if they start to pull you in, if they can put you in places of temptation, you've got to be out of there. You've got to be gone. Now, again, you can't think of that as negative. That's positive. Look what the Lord says. In, at the end of verse 16, he says, I will dwell among them and walk among them. I will be their God and they will be my people. He's starting to talk about promises. He's tar starting to talk about relationship. You don't leave the world just to go out on your own and try to honor the Lord. You leave the world to go to God. You get him. So you give up knucklehead and you get him. That's what the goal is. That's the idea. And you grow in that environment. Which brings me to my next point. First of all, you listen to your leaders. Next, you come out from the world. And thirdly, you rest in God's promises. You rest in God's promises. I will dwell among them and walk among them. I will be their God and they shall be my people. Therefore, come out from their midst and be separate, says the Lord. Do not touch what is unclean and I will welcome you. I will be a father to you and you shall be sons and daughters to me, says the Lord Almighty. God is not telling you, remove yourself from bad influences and kind of walk on your own and we'll see how it goes. He says, remove yourself from those influences and come to me, your father. I have two boys. I talk about them a lot. Weston, Michael, and Gabriel Ray. I actually have three boys. You just can't see one right now. He's not born yet. Weston and Gabriel, nothing can separate them from me. Nothing can separate them from my love. Now listen, 
Weston and Gabriel can grow up to be the worst teenagers. They could rob banks. Do people do that anymore? Yeah, they do. They could, they could do all kinds of things. You know what Weston and Gabriel cannot do? They cannot out my love for them. They can't. I'm going to go home to those boys in a few hours. They're going to run into my arms. I'm going to hug them. And they're sweet in so many ways. And I'm going to give each other kisses. I'm going I'm to give Weston kisses. And he's going to hug me and wrap his arms around me. And Gabriel is going to turn his head away and try to wrestle me. That's just his love language. That's what he does. But that's love for them. And I love these boys. And they're going to grow up one day. And what if, what if they didn't please me? They didn't obey me. That would be agony to me. I would hate that, but they can't outsend my love. When you're in the family of God as a believer, first of all, you don't grow up to be a rebel and get worse and worse and worse. It doesn't happen like that. When you're in the family of God, you've got the Holy Spirit, you only grow until one day you're perfected. But when you sin, you cannot outsin your father's love. And that's meant to encourage you. He's talking to you about pursuing holiness and you need to understand that he gives you all kinds of promises when you do that. He's with you, he'll never forsake you. I'm gonna read some of them in a moment. You need to rest in his promises, enjoy his promises. You need to go out of this auditorium and when someone asks you about camp, you can't go, oh, I hope it's just not a camp high. That's fear. You can't operate like that. You need to go out going, I'm ready for this. He's with me. He'll never forsake me. He, I've got his love. It'll never leave me. I've got it. I've got his Holy Spirit. I've got his word. I've got the body. I've got all that I need. And you go out with a smile on your face and positive and ready and confident in him, in him, in him, not in you, in him. That's what you do. And that's how you grow in holiness. You listen to your leaders. You avoid the world and you rest in God's promises. Let me read some of those promises to you. And this could be the, these could be the last scripture verses, probably are, that we read here at camp this year. And I want you, at a camp about pursuing holiness and loving the holy God who's reconciled us to himself through Jesus Christ, in a camp about that, I want, to list, I want you to listen to all these promises, these promises he gives you for your Christian life. Just listen to these. Matthew eleven twenty eight through 30. Come to me. Listen to them as if you've never heard them before. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. John eleven twenty five through 26. He who believes in Jesus Christ will live, even though he dies. And whoever lives and believes in him will never die. James 4, 8. Come near to God and he will come near to you. John 14, 26. But the counselor, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and will remind you of everything I have said to you. James 1.5, if any of you lacks wisdom, he should ask God who gives generously to all without finding fault and it will be given to him. John 10.8, Jesus speaking, 
I give them eternal life, and they shall never perish. No one can snatch them out of my hand. 1 Corinthians 10, 13. No temptation has seized you except what is common to man. And God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. But when you are tempted, he will also provide a way out so that you can stand up under it. 2 Thessalonians 3, 3. But the Lord is faithful and he will strengthen and will protect you from the evil one. Romans 8, 1. There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Do you feel encouraged to go live your Christian life? Because that's the whole point of those things. Don't go out here afraid if you're a believer. Go out here ready and armed and equipped and eager. The students at Grace Church know of my spiritual hero, Robert Murray McShane. One of the reasons I bring him up so much to, to my students is because he was saved at 18 years old. He was born into a Christian family. His older brother was saved, and always trying to bring him to a knowledge of Jesus Christ. And Robert continued to reject through his teenage years up until 18 years old. He would be saved at 18 years old after his brother's death. His brother's death helped him to think about eternity and he understand what his, who his brother lived for and he put his faith in Jesus Christ. I hope that it doesn't take the death of someone who loves you and loves Christ to get your attention. I hope that the death of Christ himself gets your attention. But his brother died and he gave his life to Christ. He would die at 30 years old, 29 years old to be exact, 11 years in Christ. And he's one of the most famous Christians there are because he lived a life sold out for Jesus Christ. And that is exactly what all believers are to do, to live a life sold out for Jesus Christ. He killed himself living for Christ. Gave every ounce that he could until the Lord took him home. And Robert Murray McShane was an artist. He, he was a poet. He was a pastor. He was a poet. And he wrote a poem which had become a favorite of mine. It's called Jehovah Tzidkenu. It's a Hebrew word which means righteousness. It means God is my righteousness. And he's writing this poem about coming to the realization that God is the one. Jesus Christ is the one who is his righteousness before God the Father. And I want to read this poem to you. He starts off talking about the fact that he knew that Jesus was supposed to be his righteousness, but he never really appreciated it. And at the end, you'll find that that is all he hung on to. I once was a stranger to grace and to God. I knew not my danger and felt not my load. Though friends spoke in rapture of Christ on the tree, Jehovah Tzidkenu was nothing to me. I often read with pleasure to soothe or engage, or engage Isaiah's wild measure and John's simple page. He's reading his Bible. But even when they pictured the blood-sprinkled tree, Jehovah Tzidkenu seemed nothing to me. Like tears from the daughters of Zion that roll, I wept when the waters went over his soul. Yet thought not that my sins had nailed to the tree, Jehovah Tzidkenu was nothing to me. When free grace awoke me by light from on high, then legal fears shook me. I trembled to die. No refuge, no safety in self could I see. Jehovah Tzidkenu, my savior, must be. 
My terrors, all, my terrors all vanished before the sweet name. My guilty fear banished. With boldness I came to drink at the fountain, life-giving and free. Jehovah Tidkenu is all things to me. Jehovah Tidkenu, my treasure and boast. Jehovah Tidkenu, I never can be lost. In thee shall I conquer by flood and by field, my cable, my anchor, my breastplate, my shield. Every treading, even treading the valley, the shadow of death. He sang this right before he was going to die. Even treading the valley, the shadow of death, this watchword shall rally my faltering breath. For while from life's fever my God sets me free, Jehovah Tidkenu my death song shall be. He was saying, Jesus being my righteousness meant nothing to me. And then there was the point where it meant everything to me. And then at the end of his life, he said, that's all that I have. That Jesus Christ is the one who recommends me to the Father because I am in him. This is a conference, a camp, about you pursuing holiness. And you cannot do it apart from Christ making you perfectly holy because of his death, burial, and resurrection. Let's pray. Lord Jesus Christ, we acknowledge that you are the author and you are the perfecter, the completer of our faith. We will try, we will strive, we will endeavor, and to any degree that we grow in holiness, we'll look back and say it was simply because of the grace of God. And you've given us your Holy Spirit to strive, to endeavor, to walk the Christian life, to run the Christian race. This is a camp about holiness because this is a camp about Jesus Christ who made us holy and made us beloved. We pray that he would receive all the glory from everybody in this room for the rest of their lives because that's why we're here. Amen.